Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. He is able. Amen. Proverbs 6, verse 12. This has been our springboard for the past several weeks. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Amen. I'm not necessarily going in the order of this list, if you've noticed that. Not necessarily going in the order of this list. So today I want to talk about sowing discord. I want to talk about sowing discord, amen, this morning. Again, these are six, yea, seven. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is a sampling of the things that, that God despises, that he abhors. It gives us a concept, an idea of the types of things that he abhors. And I don't want to stand in that position to be in opposition to God today. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you, Jesus, Lord, for your glory. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. I pray, oh, Lord, that you're able to touch our minds, God, our hearts and our souls, Lord, in the service today. Help us to learn, Lord Jesus, of your word this morning. God, you're able to teach us, Lord Jesus, today. God, of the words of life, God, that are contained in this book. God, we'll thank you and appreciate you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. He that soweth discord among the brethren. The English word discord is found twice in Proverbs chapter number 6. The Hebrew word that is translated, it's translated from. That Hebrew word also means strife. It can be found in Proverbs 10 and verse 12. However, as Hebrew works and even as our English language works, the root word, the root word of these comes from a word that not only means strife, but contention, a contest or a quarrel. So when we speak about he that sows discord among the brethren, it's he that is sowing strife or contention among the brethren. He that is agitating to the place of initiating a quarrel among the brethren. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 28, again, we have considered this naughty person, this wicked man, who the Bible says has a forward mouth, and oftentimes we would associate sowing discord with what we do with our mouths. But it says a forward man, he soweth strife. So he soweth discord, he soweth con contentions. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. Isn't it amazing what the, dis 
the discord sower can accomplish. Notice in Proverbs, it's not that he's causing a schism uh, between enemies, so to speak, but he's causing a schism among the brethren. He's causing a schism among chief friends, close relationships, family members, if you will, members of the same tribe or of the same kin. Proverbs 22 and verse 10 says, here is how you take care of the situation. Here's how you take care of the situation. It says, cast out the scorner or the mocker. And another word for the mocker, which if you think of somebody that mocks another, the person mocking is usually, not always, but usually a pretty arrogant, prideful, think of themselves better than the one that they are mocking type of person so here we are again with these things that God hates that's interconnected that that proud look all these things are interconnected it says if you you cast out the scorner the mocker the one that thinks of himself more than the one he is mocking he says contention or discord strife shall go out yea strife and reproach shall cease and so as I've stated already once in this, these lessons is that we cannot concentrate just on one of these facets. We got to concentrate upon all of them, but they are all greatly linked then to the heart. Because he said, if you want to get rid of discord, then you got to take care of the mocker, the one that has some pride about him. Yeah. Take care of the one that has some pride about him. It shall go out if you cast out the scorner, and strife and reproach shall also see. So all of these things are very much so interconnected interconnected that proud look and that one that sows discord among the brethren amen pride leads to contention it leads to discord as a matter of fact proverbs bears it out quite frankly in proverbs 28 and verse 25 it says he that is of a proud heart he stirreth up strife he stirreth up strife when we read that he that soweth that eth ending on the word so he that soweth discord among the brethren the eth ending on the end of the word so indicates that this is a person that is not just a one-time sower this is a person that because of the eth ending it's a person that sows and continues to sow sows and continues to sow discord not a one-time offense situation but somebody that's made this their practice of life this is what they're known for <laughs> this is what they are known for this is a ongoing problem with them of sowing discord among the brethren if we could say they are a habitual sower of discord as a matter of fact here's my modern word for sowing discord among the brethren drama Amen. Drama. They say if you want to if you want to take care of drama, just fire the cast. That means fire everybody that's involved. Amen. Drama. Constantly got to have something going on. Some people would have nothing to be able to talk about in their life if they weren't creating the drama for their life or for other people's life. The sower is sowing and continuing to sow discord, strife and contention among the brethren here's here's something important about he that soweth discord among the brethren the sower is intentional about the seed yeah in other words the sower 
is sowing with the intent of producing a crop of the type of seed they put in the ground. Let's explain it like this. A farmer will go out and if he wants corn, he sows. Good job. The gardener go in their backyard. If they're wanting squash, they're going to sow the seed of squash. A sower of discord must have had discord in mind when they sowed the seed. Because they're going to sow the seed for what they want their final result to be. And so a sower of discord in reality, we got, must leave the excuse at the door. Well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> because according to the word, the, 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 you're going to put in the ground what you want from the ground. And whenever we got discord, it's not that I didn't mean to. That's what you intended for. And so last week we discovered one of the reasons God hates false witnesses that speak of lies is that it goes against his nature of truth. He is truth. But similarly, he that soweth discord among the brethren goes against a desire that's in the heart of God as well. And that is his desire for unity. Someone say unity. Sowing discord is diabolical in opposition to having a spirit of unity that would thrive in your home, your family, your church family. In John 17, we read of the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. His high priestly prayer focused upon the oneness. It focused upon the unity Amen. Between the Father and the Son relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The oneness, it focused also upon the oneness of his disciples. He wanted them to be one even as he was one with his Father, as the Scripture tells us. Not only did it focus upon that oneness in unity, it also focused upon the oneness and the unity, not just of his disciples, those that were given him, but it focused upon the oneness and the unity of those that would believe upon the word that they spoke, that there would even be a oneness or unity among them, just as much as the Jesus had unity, if you will, with his Father. All of the unity then of the disciples and the unity of on those that would believe was tied to based upon the oneness or the unity of the father-son relationship that was resident in Jesus Christ. Because the father-son relationship was so seamless, so seamless in Jesus Christ that Jesus said in John 14, 9, he said unto Philip, he that hath seen me have seen the Father. He that had seen the Son had seen the Father. Now that is a oneness. That is a seamless unity between the Father-Son relationship. Jesus also spoke in John 10, 30. He said, I and my Father are one. That is a seamless unity. That is a seamless relationship. And so in John 17, whenever Jesus, the Son of God, the human side, if you will, of Jesus was speaking to his father, the deity nature, the deity nature of himself. He said, Holy Father, he said, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. He's speaking of it as disciples, that they may be one as we are one. 
He even said that they, those that would believe upon him through, through the word, he says that they also may be one even as we are one. In other words, the basis for the accord, not discord, the basis for the accord or the unity or the oneness of the disciples and those that would become disciples, the basis for all of that was the father-son seamless relationship of the dual natures of Jesus Christ pictured in the man, Christ Jesus. So here it is. A disruption then, a schism then among the brethren, among the disciples, among those that would believe then would become a misrepresentation of the father-son relationship that that was cloned from. You understand what I'm saying? He says we want them to be one as we are one. But if they are in discord, then it's saying, well, where did you come from? What are you a mere image of? We're disrupting then the true image of the father-son relationship found in the man Christ Jesus when there's discord, bickering, fussing, Conflict, contention among the body of Christ. Someone say amen. John 17, 23, look what he said. Jesus in his high priestly prayer. He says, I and them, whenever he speaks about, let them be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, everybody say the world. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. This is important. And has loved them as thou hast loved me. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying whenever the disciples are one, whenever the disciples are one as I am in you and you are in me, whenever that happens, he says there's something that happens in the world. The world then understands because of their oneness. The world understands their oneness is a testimony to the world. The world then understands that you sent me and that you loved them just as much as you loved me. But if there's discord, if there's contention, we've ruined our testimony in the world. When there's bickering and when there's strife, when there's contention, we have ruined the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. Someone say amen. And so the accord, again, the accord, not the discord. The accord, the unity of the brethren testifies to the fact that Jesus was sent by God. God manifested in the flesh and that he loves the world even as much as he loved his only begotten son. But whenever discord happens among the brethren, that muddles that testimony. And so we start again to garner a little understanding why this is one of the things that God despises. One of the things that God abhors. We see this even played out in the Old Testament. We see this played out in the Old Testament, how this affects a testimony. In the Old Testament, there's a time... Before Abram was Abraham, before his name was changed, that Abram and his relative Lot were in the same land and they had so much substance, they had increased so much in their substance that neither of them could stay in the same land. The land could not bear them. They had a lot of livestock, they had a lot of different animals and so there's not enough grazing, there's not enough land for both that of Lot, his livestock and that of Abraham and his livestock to graze. And so this is what the scripture says in Genesis 13 and verse number 7. And there was strife discord contention 
there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Now note this little, this little footnote here. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. Verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife. He's going to become the father of the nation of Israel. Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. Look at the last phrase now. For we be, we be brethren. Don't don't let there be discord between you and me. Don't let there be discord between your your herdmen and my herdmen. We're brothers. We're related. We're the same tribe, the same family. We're brothers. But more importantly, look at it now, that footnote again in verse 7. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. You know what? Abram was basically telling Lot. He said, listen, we, 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 we don't need to have any strife. We don't need to have any discord among ourselves because the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell in the land too. And they're looking at us. They're observing us. They are watching us. And so we don't want to have strive if those that are on the outskirts will interpret our discord of what's happening in between us. We're going to ruin our testimony. We're going to ruin our testimony in this land if there's strife between me and you. They're, they're out here watching. Oh, someone say yes. We're out here watching. We're going to become the children of God. We, we don't want to ruin our testimony in the land because there's people watching us. And if I'm against you and you're against me and we got contention, that's not speaking very high of who we're supposed to be giving our allegiance. Mm. Someone say amen. Is this going to affect our testimony? going to affect our testimony David said picked up his pen inspired of the Holy Ghost Psalms 133 and verse 1 there's just three verses in Psalms 133 but he says behold how good how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity the song of degree psalms 133 song of degree or song of ascents it is one of those 15 psalms that was used in the children of israel's pilgrimage from their personal land allotments to the temple of god to the sanctuary you would go through these songs and they would sing them or they would uh they would speak them as they were traveling and making their pilgrimage to the temple or the house of god and you know how it happens when you travel together anybody went on a trip lately that was extended an extended trip sometimes whenever people travel together it's possible for disharmony to happen yeah, <laughs> it's possible. People are getting tired. You traveled a lot of miles. It's possible for disharmony to happen even in your tribe. 
even in your family. You, you, and then you consider here the children of Israel as they're traveling. You know, it's not like they're going to swing through the McDonald's or the Burger King or sit down at the Cracker Barrel, you know, for something to eat. All these different families and tribes are competing for the same resources of food. They're competing for the same resources of water, for the same resources of lodging. Folks, I'm telling you what, that is just a bomb for contention waiting to happen. And they're traveling and all these things. And so every year, whenever they had the, the three main feasts of Tabernacles and Pentecost and Passover, they were expected to travel to Jerusalem, expected to go to the temple. And they would finally get there and they would make their pilgrimage. And when they were gathered together from their different allotments of land, there is just them standing before the temple in this place, one great household. One great nation of Israel. And it's with that in mind that the scripture says how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And if you look at the next two verses, it begins to give an analogy concerning that unity. It speaks how that unity is both like the anointing oil and it is also like the dew that falls. Amen. It speaks of it in those two terms. The oil that it speaks of was the oil that would have been placed upon Aaron, the high priest's head. And when you see the scripture and read it, it speaks about how it ran down his beard and then it went down to the skirts of his garment. When you read of that unity or that oneness then being described as the dew that fell down from heaven, it landed on Mount Hermon, which was a very high peak in their area. But then it says that it descended down, amen, to Mount Zion. And so with all of that being said, we begin to understand something about the oneness or something about unity. Amen. And that is this, is that it comes from a higher source and it always flows down. A, a, a lack of discord or unity or oneness comes from a higher source. That's a reason why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 said we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Because the unity belongs to the Spirit. We can't manufacture unity. Amen. But we can guard the unity that we have. But if it's going to come among us, it comes to us from God. If I can say it like this, we keep unity among ourselves by staying in unity with heaven. We keep discord out of us horizontally by keeping discord out of our relationship with that's the reason why discord among us is nothing more but an indicator of there's something going on right here. Amen. <laughs> Someone say glory. So whenever that unity, it comes, it's coming down. That's, you see that terminology in Psalms 103. It came down, it ran down, it went down, it descended. Amen. It came from another source. It came from another source. And so the unity of the Spirit, again, we endeavor to keep. We endeavor to guard, as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4. It's that harmony. It's that harmony that we try to keep that, that mirrors, if you will, the agreement that agreement of that father-son relationship that's found in Jesus Christ in John 17. Therefore, therefore, again, if there's discord among the brethren, if there's discord among the brethren, that actually speaks then of a discord or a contention at a higher level. Discord among the brethren many times may indicate discord with God. Discord with God well-known devotional classic, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. He was asked, 
pose this question. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically in tune then to each other? They, all those 100 pianos, are of one accord. They're in tune with one another. They're in tune with one another. Not be, by being tuned by one another, but by being tuned by one standard. Said like this, we have, let's say, there's 70 people here. I might have a hard time getting harmony with you and you in harmony with me. But if you get in harmony with one standard, God, and I get in harmony with one standard, God, that will keep me and you in harmony because we're all tuned in to the same source. And I think sometimes we kind of got the cart before the horse and we get things backwards. We try to keep harmony on this human level, me between you and you between me, and we're doing this. But that's not the way that you try to get harmony among everyone. The way that we do that is by keeping in harmony with him. We do it wrong sometimes. We, we want to try to keep this relationship going and that relationship going and let God be somewhere on the back, back burner out of the picture. And we still find ourselves frustrated in some, maybe not all, but some of our relationships. If you want harmony in all of your relationships get in harmony with the harmonizer and as we all harmonize with him we'll be in harmony with each other and discord will lack among the brethren discord will lack among the brethren James chapter number three if you'll turn there with me today or you can cheat and look at the screen but if you have your Bibles you can turn there James chapter number three look at verse look at verse number 13 starting here look at verse number 13 Bible says who is a wise man James asked and endued with knowledge among you let him shew out a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom he says but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts glory not and lie not against the truth this wisdom descendeth not from above there we go he said, if there's bitter envy and strife, he said, that's not wisdom that descended from above. Not from above, but is earthly, sensual, even devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let me tell you, that little verse right there is an explosive package whenever you consider if there's envying and there is strife, then you got the concoction for any and every evil work. But the wisdom, he says, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know what James is telling here? James is telling us here in these few verses that our wisdom, and he says that he boils it down, there's just two types of wisdom. It's either from above or below. Amen. It's either earthly or it's heavenly. He said, our wisdom is known. You can look at it again in verse 7, or 13 rather. Our wisdom is known. He says, let him shoo out of a good conversation. Our wisdom is known by our manner of conversation and when I've told you this a thousand times I'll tell you then again oftentimes the New Testament scripture when it speaks of conversation it's not talking about me and you talking 
When it speaks about conversation, it's talking about your manner of life. And so he says, shoot out from your good manner of life. Our wisdom can be known by the way that we live our life. And here's what he says. Here's how we can demonstrate the origin of our wisdom, whether it's from above or whether it's from a blow. He said, if there's bitter envy and strife, he said, it's not from above. He said, if those things are being practiced in your life, that's your manner of conversation, that's the way that you live your life, he said, it's not coming from above. He says, it's from below, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. Amen. And furthermore, he tells us, if you allow those things to remain, and if you allow those things to reign, if you don't just sow but continue to sow, he said, there's going to be confusion in every evil work. Now, that does, not, that does not give a good reflection of who he is. No, that does not give a good reflection of who he is. And here's the thing. We can fool, though, people, and we can wear the facade and the proclamation of I'm one of his. But when our manner of life betrays the proclamation of our lips, huh? then we got to figure out here, is this from above or is this from below? Now look at this, Romans 16 and verse number 17. The Bible says, now I beseech you, brethren. Here's how, here's how it's supposed to be handled. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Everybody say mark them. Which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And look at this, number two, avoid them. Mark them, avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, folks, when, when we, again, I started out with this. When we typically think of sowing discord among the brethren, we typically think of using our mouths to do that. A lot of times we think about we're saying something, we're causing a little division, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're saying something to get to, you know, quarreling or whatever, a little contention. We do that with our mouths. However, when we look at the rendering of Romans 16, 17, and 18 in here, another version of the Bible, the contemporary English version, it kind of paints another picture. And you could even look at it in the King James and derive the same, but I'm just going to read it from the, the CEV here. He says, I beg you to watch out for anyone who causes trouble and divides the church, look at it now, by refusing to do what all of you were taught. Woo. In other words, discord might not just be sown by what you say, but it could possibly be sown by how you live your life. By what you do. Because we don't just teach and people learn with our words, but we teach with our lives. And people learn as well. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. He says these are those that are, are refraining. They're causing troubles. They're causing divisions by not living their life the way that they had been taught. The way that everybody's been taught. And whenever they choose not to live their life the way that everybody else has been taught, that causes contention among the brethren. Because you heard the same message I heard. You seen live before you the same message I seen live before me. And to do opposite from that is to cause a contention. 
among the body of believers. That's the reason why the apostle said, I would that you all speak the same thing and have the same mind and all these different things. Why? He says, because whenever one's living differently than another, he says, it's causing discord. Not harmony, discord among the brethren. And so Paul, here, here in Romans chapter number 16, he has just finished. If you look at the first several verses of Romans 16, and he's closing out the, the, the book here. He has just finished a lengthy list of those he wanted to recognize, of those he wanted to thank. He wanted other people to notice them as well, or he wouldn't put it in the scripture. He wanted the church of Rome to look at these particular people that he names. He names all kinds of names in the first few verses of Romans 16. And he's calling out people. He's making recognition of some that have helped him. He calls out Aquila and Priscilla and he calls out different ones that have helped, those that have labored, those that have served with him for the benefit of the churches that had been established on his missionary journeys. And then contrary in contrast to that very long list that he starts with in, in Romans 16, he contrasts them to these people that I read to you in verses 17 and 18 that are doing contrary to the word of the doctrine. And he asked the church of Rome. Now, this is interesting. Why is this important? Tell you why. Paul hasn't even visited Rome yet. Paul's not even made it there yet. We've been in our, our, our Acts series on, on Wednesday nights. You know that. Paul wrote Rome whenever he was in Corinth. He has not even went to Rome yet. He's not went there. But something is brewing. Something is, something's being established there. And so he wants these, these new infant people that are being exposed to God and the ways of God. He says, consider these that have labored. Consider these that have helped. Consider these that have established churches. Hallelujah. But in contrast to that, he says, you better watch out for those that cause divisions. Watch out for those that cause, if you will, dissension by not living their life in accordance to what they have been taught. He says, watch out for them. In so much, Romans, if you're going to succeed, you're going to have to mark them. And you're going to have to avoid them. So his advice, his advice for the sowers of discord that were among the brethren, his advice to those that seen this, picked up on this, observed this. He said, two-prong two prong approach. Mark them and avoid them. Mark them. Now look, mark them. I'm not talking about going by with a permanent marker and putting some type of denotation up on their life. But in other words, he says, don't just look at them. He says, examine them. Scrutinize them carefully. The word in the Greek means to inspect them. Continue to regard them closely. For modern day language, keep your eye on them. Huh? You ever, you ever been suspicious of somebody and their actions and activity in the store? You thought maybe that they were going to do something wrong. What'd you do? You marked them. You kept your eye. Huh? You kept your eye on them. Now, I understand today. It's, well, Brett, Brett, Pastor McGee, you know, God is a God of love. Yes, he is, but he is also a judge. And Paul, with wisdom, tells the church at Rome, consider those who are practicing causing. And look, what he even says, they're causing divisions and offenses. It's not like they're one-time offenders. They are repeat offenders in dividing. Repeat offenders in 
making offenses. He says, you got to keep your eye on them. God loves them, yes. We've already started this whole lesson out with God hates things, but he loves people. God loves them, but he will not tolerate their antics. He would not tolerate someone that's constantly causing division. It was going to cost, cost the saving of a soul in Rome. You hear me? Wasn't going to, he wasn't going to tolerate them if it meant losing a soul in Rome because of their corruptible behavior or their discordant behavior among the brethren. Because, see, their behavior then affects, if you will, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Affects the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's going to love us all day long. But God, can't, as I said from the very beginning, he can't get close to us. With us arboring, willfully arboring sin, harboring sin in our life. No, 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 no. And it says, furthermore, he says, don't just mark them, don't just keep your eye on them, but avoid. And that might seem like a tall order, doesn't it? Avoid them. He didn't say, you know, speak evil of them. All right? You, you, you can very quickly get, get, right into a trap of discord yourself if you want to talk about somebody sowing discord. And you can put you can put a match on gas. Somebody, you know, sow discord, you've marked it, you kept your eye on it, you realize it. But when you go around talking to other people about how they're sowing discord, guess what? You become part of the team. No, he didn't say you do that. He said the he says what you do, it's really what you don't do. You don't involve yourself. You avoid them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You avoid them. Let me say say something today. If it seems like you're losing friends left and right, it might be you could be the problem. Well, that went over like a flock of dogs. Because it's interesting to me, because I've seen this more than one time, when someone comes to me and they have this relationship, whatever it may be, with different people, and it's like such and such did that wrong to me. Okay, you know, just kind of set on that. And then sooner or later they come up and it's a different person. That person there, same person coming to me. That, they did this to me too, okay? And, you know, just kind of set on that. Before you know it, you got three or four different situations where they've been done wrong. You know what I start to think as a pastor? I wonder about the person. That's coming to me. You really got some really bad life and really bad relationships here, or you the problem. Hello, testing one, two, three. If you got a problem with everybody, it might be you're the one that's the problem. If you can't get along with anybody, it might be you're the one that can't be gotten along with. If you always walk around and, and, and every church, let's say, has done you wrong, it might be not the church. It might be you. And here's the thing of the matter, folks. Whenever you go to another relationship, you take the spirit of your problem with you. You go to another church, you take the spirit of your problem with you. And it will constantly be sabotage unless we get where we need to be with. Because it descends from we need to get in alignment here so we can be in alignment with our fellow brother. Avoid them. And there's verse 18 there again in Romans 16. He hits it again. He says, those that that do these things, for they 
that are such, sown divisions, making divisions and offenses contrary to doctrine. He said, those are such. He said, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. People that sow discord do so because they're not in harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. They seek to please their own bellies, meaning their own appetites, their own desires. They, they seek to do whatever they want to do. They're selfish. Again, pride. They look out for their self. And we already learned from Proverbs that pride stirs up strife or contention or dis discord. And some might walk away and they, they masqueraded, if you will, have their mask on as, as believers, but they're still willfully, what he's saying is they're still, they're, they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still enslaved by their fallen desires. They're still enslaved by owed, number one, self. Discord. The word discord. I'm, I'm coming to a home stretch here. Discord. Some antonyms or opposite meanings of discord is harmony, agreement, accord, order. And let's consider this for a moment. The blessing, if you will. The blessing, if you will, of accord. The blessing, if you will, of a lack of discord. The greatest gift that was ever sent from heaven was received by a group of believers who were in one accord. On the day of Pentecost of Acts 2, when they were, that 120 were in one accord, mm-hmm, the Bible even starts naming some of the names in, in the, the first chapter about those who were praying together, that they were in one accord. And then in chapter 2, it starts to tell us how they were, when the, the, the day of Pentecost was fully come, when they were in one accord and in one place, that then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as fire, and it sat upon... The greatest gift that ever came from heaven came in an environment of unity, not discord. Hallelujah. God, God, if I could say it like this, God hates discord because that's not an environment where his presence can come down in. God hates division and dissension because that's not an arena where he can come down and have a visitation with his people. But whenever we get in harmony with you and that causes me to be in harmony with my brother and sister, God can come down. His presence can rapture us. Suddenly he can show up. Not just that. But I even read, if I can, Brother Zach, Acts 5 and 12, the Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among them, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Signs and wonders happened by the apostles upon those who were in one accord, in harmony, in agreement, in order. They lacked discord. You'll stand with me this morning. And I'll close with this. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. In verse 1. Paul Sapog in writing. He say, states these words. If there be. Therefore. Any consolation. In Christ. If any. Comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels and mercies he says fulfill ye my joy that ye be and here it is that ye be like minded 
having the same love being of one accord and of one mind let nothing he says be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves he says if look look again at verse one if there be if there be, if you have any consolation in Christ, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, there we are, to see that descends, that comes down, it has a place of origin. If you have any of that fellowship with the Spirit, if you have any harmony with heaven, if you have any of that, he says, then fulfill my joy, and this is what my joy is. If you have any of that, you're going to be like-minded. You're going to be like-minded. You're going to have same love, one accord, one mind, because you have, you, you have consolation in Christ. You have fellowship with the Spirit. That happens as a result of it. And as a result of that, there's no strife. There's no vain glory. Amen. So I, I, I commend to you today, I recommend to you today, if you notice discord in your own personal life between you and another, rather than trying to fix that on this level, try to reassure the connection on this level and see what happens here. Amen. Amen. If you got any consolation in Christ, if you got any fellowship with the Spirit, he said there'll be that same love, like-minded, one accord, one mind. Nothing will be done with strife or vainglory or contention and discord. Hallelujah. The Lord hates he that soweth and continues to sow discord among the brethren. Folks, we all family. We're the family of God. Isn't it, I mean, if we're the church and he describes us as his body, wouldn't it be ignorant to have a total disjointed body that was not put together? It's kind of a little weird, isn't it? No, said it has unity. It's put together. Every joint supply of what's needed, it's compacted together. Amen with one another. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.